0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: You know, folks, we've been going through... The Gospel of Luke. We've been on a journey, an earth walk, so to speak, through the life of Jesus Christ. And I just kind of want to remind you why we're going through the Gospel of Luke, why we are focusing on his life and on his teaching. Because the reality is, is if you've been in church a long time, I've been a believer now twenty-six years. For some of you that you've been a believer longer than that. Some of you have been a believer longer than I've been alive. And If you think back about all of the stuff that you have heard about Jesus, all of the things that you have been taught, the reality is is if you think about all that time in church or in church and out of church, man, you've, you've heard a lot of messages about what not to do. You've heard a lot of messages about what to do. But the reality of who Jesus is and what he says and what he wants for us, I think we have to be honest that we really don't know that much. As I think back, you know, I've, I've sat under some great teaching in my life, and and the reality is, is that I've heard a lot about how to live, but I don't really know a lot about what Jesus said. And so we, that's been kind of the premise of how we've entered into this earthwalk study here, of looking at exactly what it is that Jesus is trying to teach us and show us. And, and I'll be honest with you, as we've gone through the study, some of the perceptions that we have in church are just being blown apart. Some of the perceptions that are long held for us as believers about how we should be and how we should be acting are being blown apart by Jesus Himself, and especially today. So let me tell you a lie that's out there that we're going to see Jesus blow apart today. There's a lie that says, you know, if you're a Christian and you go to church, you need to be serving the Lord with all your heart and doing everything you can for Jesus... Because that's what matters the most. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard that before. What we're going to see today in this passage is, His disciples are coming back. He sent them out. They're coming back. They're giving a report now. And they're all excited about what they did for Jesus. For the kingdom. And He's going to give them a proper perspective. Then He's going to tell them what really matters. And then He's going to go on and explain why it matters. Because, my friends, some of you here would say, you know, that's nice and dandy, George, that whole lie. That's why I don't like church, because only the perfect serve. Only the perfect serve. That's the lie. And for for years, our churches have communicated. So if you have a failed relationship, if you're divorced, or if you've messed up in some way, you know, it's nice for you to come, please give, but there really isn't anything for you to do in our churches. And let's be honest, that's what we have been communicating for years, is it not? But the reality is, is when you look at what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you know what, service is great, it's wonderful, I see a bigger picture about it, but there's something more here. Well, let's look at what Jesus says. I want you to notice with me verse 17 through 24. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven behold I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names were written in heaven and in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see these things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have the desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. We're going to basically take this passage and divide it into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, what really matters. Then we're going to see a proper understanding that Jesus wants to give us through his prayer to the Father. And then we're going to look and see what the blessing is. So let's look and see what really matters. First thing I want you to notice, verse 17, they're coming back, they're excited. And so here's what I want you to see. They were excited about what they did. They were excited about what they did. In particular, they were excited because the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. So when they went out and did ministry... Remember, Jesus had given them authority to do whatever. So when they went out into all the little by villages and so forth, and were preaching the gospel, those who were demon possessed, they were able to cast those demons out. I mean, Satan himself was subject to them because of them ministering the name of Jesus. And so they're excited about what they're doing for the Lord. And you know what? As we think about the lie that I told you about, that's what we—that's that's really good in church, isn't it? In church, when you do something great for the Lord, we want to lift you up and say, look at how great this person is and what they're doing for Jesus. But I want you to notice what Jesus says. A couple of things here. First of all, Jesus sees the bigger picture. Verse 18, he says this. So they're coming back and they're saying, oh, this is what we did, Jesus. Man, the demons are, you know. And Jesus says, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning in heaven. And behold, I gave you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any, by any means hurt you. Here's what Jesus, Jesus is saying, you know, yeah, you guys did great. Here's the bigger picture. I witnessed him fall. I saw Satan. I was there when you did what you did. I saw his dominion crumble before you. He sees the bigger picture. So, yeah, we're excited. And, and he says, yeah, I see it. I see what you're doing for the kingdom. So he sees the bigger picture of what's going on. In fact, he sees beyond what we're doing. You understand? We, we only see a little bit of what we do for Jesus. But Jesus sees beyond that to, to the ramifications in the spiritual world. But here's what he wants us to see. This is what really matters. That's all nice, he's saying. All of that's nice that you're doing stuff for me. But here's what really matters. Look with me, verse 20. But nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Here's what he's saying. They were to keep a proper focus. They were to keep a proper focus. The issue in church isn't what you do for Jesus. Now, I'll set some of you free here. The issue isn't what you do for Jesus. Because I, I know how it is. I've been a believer for 26 years and, you know, you go places and you see, man, you hear about some guy and, boy, he's doing all these great things and you're looking at yourself and saying, well, how come he's not doing that through me? Am I, do, do I not measure up, God? Or, or here's, the other, here's the other attitude. Huh. Boy, I wish I could do that, but, man, I messed up. There's no way he could ever use me now. Because our focus in church is on what we're doing. Jesus is saying, the issue isn't what you're doing, the issue is who you are. And who you are, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is someone whose name is written in the book of life. Rejoice in that. Forget about what's being accomplished. You need to be excited about the fact that you're a believer in me, Jesus is saying, And that you're going to heaven, not what you're accomplishing for me. Yeah, it's all affecting something. Yes, it's all accomplishing something. It's all part of Satan being defeated. But the reality is rejoice, not in what you're doing. Rejoice in what God has done for you. Did you see that? Listen to me. I'm to get excited, not about what I'm doing. And for some of you here, you're not excited because you can't do anything, supposedly. I'm not to get excited about what I'm doing. I'm to get excited about what God is doing. You see the difference? I'm not to get excited about what I'm doing because that, that's just defeating. You know what I mean by that? Because, I mean, there are days Lori will tell you, I'm not worth much. And she'll say, "Just just go to the office. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not worth much. And there are days when you're not worth much. And, and you're like, well, you know, I've already drank a whole pot of coffee. Why haven't things changed? Well, it's not that kind of day, folks. And here's the reality. Jesus is saying your rejoicing should not be based upon you and what you're doing. Your rejoicing should be based upon what Jesus has done and that he saved you and that your name is written in the book of life. And you have heaven. Look at The emphasis isn't on what? You. The emphasis is on who? On what He's done. That's what really matters. But for so many of us, listen to me, for so many of us, we live defeated lives. We're not excited about Jesus. We're not excited about what He's done for us because all we see is is what we haven't done or what we did that we regret and we carry the shame of. You know what I'm talking about? Because, can I just stop for a moment? Think about that. You know, can I be honest with you? You're actually falling into the trap of the enemy who wants you to focus there and not see what he did for you. Because the reality is, he did it all. We could never do it for ourselves. And And I know, because the church communicates that lie, too. Because only perfect people accomplish something in church. Is that not true? It's a lie, but it's one that we've communicated for so long. And the reality is, the reality is, Jesus is saying, don't rejoice in what you're doing, rejoice in the fact that you're a believer, that you're saved. So he goes on then, and he helps us have a better understanding, a proper understanding. I want you to notice with me verses 21 to 22. He gets alone, and Luke records that he prays. He prays. Here's, here, if, if I'm gonna have that if I'm going to understand what really matters, I need to have a proper understanding. So Luke reveals to us Jesus' prayer to help us have a proper understanding. So I want you to notice with me, verse 21 and 22. Here's what he says. So in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good. In your sight, and all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will to reveal him. Here's a couple things. Number one, the first thing, if you're going to have a proper understanding, is that God has chosen to reveal truth to the insignificant. God has chosen to reveal truth to the insignificant. Let me just stop for a moment. You know, I told you what the lie is and how we operate in our churches and the concept that only the perfect can serve Jesus. Where we get that from is because we're influenced more by our culture than we are by the Bible. We are influenced more by the way our world operates than by the way Jesus operates. And so when you think about it, when you think about what's going on in our world, look at who is chosen to do stuff. When you want somebody to play football, you have, what, good big size athletes who, who prove themselves, Heisman Trophy winners and stuff. That's who you would choose. You wouldn't just choose some scrawny guy to do it. They're not ringing my phone saying, hey, we got an opening. I want you to come, George. Do you understand? When we choose someone, we want the beautiful to do it. We want the smart to do it. We want the perfect. Is that not true? That's how our culture operates. In fact, that's why we have the billboards now for plastic surgery. Because if you're not perfect enough, for a few dollars, we'll make you perfect. Isn't that true? And that's the lie that our culture conveys. And guess what? It's the lie that the church has embraced. But what I want you to see, it's throughout the New Testament, Jesus is making a point here. He's saying, He says to him, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, from the perfect, you have hidden the truth about you and me, Jesus is saying, from those who are perfect, and you have given it to the insignificant. The insignificant. You say, oh, come on, George, is that really throughout the Bible? Well, think about it. Go all the way with me over to First Corinthians chapter 3. You don't need to turn there. They were there. Here's a church in Corinth. They were pretty up on themselves. They thought they were doing pretty good. They thought they were sophisticated, they were wealthy, and they thought they had it all together. And Paul comes to them and says, Look, God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. And when you look among yourselves, there aren't too many who are smart, aren't too many who are strong, aren't too many who are rich by the world's standards. Why? Because God chooses that which is insignificant to confound the world and the culture and to show His glory. See, God chooses the insignificant. Now, you say, now wait a minute. What does that mean for you and I, George? What does that mean for us here, right now, in Kerwinsville? What does that mean? Here's what it means. Some of you here, you are viewing yourself based upon your past failures. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you don't need to think hard about it, because it's the shame and the regret that you live with. Every morning you wake up, you look in the mirror, and you're like, oh, yeah, I see it. You're constantly reminded of it. And somehow you think that God sees you that way. That when God sees you, He sees you the way that you see yourself or the way that others are constantly. Isn't that something that we have to deal with too? It's not just ourselves. It's when somebody else reminds us of what we've done. And they're like elephants. It's like 20 years later and they're still telling you what you did. Now here's the problem. We begin to view ourselves in that way and think, you know what? God must see me that way. You know, I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to do something for you. I want to to be there for you, Jesus. And you can't. You can't do it. Because you think there's no way He can use you. No way that He can... Because God chooses perfect people. That's what the church communicates, isn't it? Because only the perfect can serve Him. And the reality is, this is not in the Bible. Look at what He says. He said, You know what? I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Let me help you to understand something. In that Jewish culture of that time, children and infants were considered the insignificant of the culture. They, you know, they were tolerated. They were the inconvenient thing. You know, I mean, of course, you got to have children and. for for society to go on. But, I mean, you know, it's like when the adults got together, the kids had to go somewhere else. And they would be interrupting. So they were the insignificant of the culture. In fact, many times when you read through the New Testament, you'll see the disciples trying to keep, what, the infants and the children away from Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 you let them come to me. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is for the insignificant, folks. For the people that the rest would be rejecting. This is what he's trying to say here. He's chosen to reveal truth to the insignificant. Folks, he's chosen to reveal it to you and I. Isn't that awesome? You've got to have that perspective. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Him. In fact, he goes on and says this. Look with me. Here's the other part to help us. It's only through Jesus that God's revealed. It's only through Jesus that God is revealed. That that Look at that second part of his prayer. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, nobody knows who God the Father is except the Son. Nobody knows who God the Son is except the Father. And nobody knows except whom the Son reveals the Father to. Now, who's He revealing the Father to? You and I. Remember, He just said that in a verse before. I thank You, Lord, that, that You have chosen to reveal these to what? Babes! The insignificant! And so if people are going to know who God is, they're going to find out who God is because You reveal who You are through Me. Through Jesus is what He's saying. See, the issue isn't what you're doing. The issue is what God has done. It's not about you. It's about Him. You may want to write that down. It's not about you. It's about Him. Isn't that wonderful? My friends, He accepts you not because of you. He accepts you because of Himself. And He's chosen to reveal that truth to us. This is the reality It's in spite of us. Isn't that awesome? It's in spite of us. So here's the blessing. Look with me, verse 23 to 24. He's gone and shown him what really matters. He's shown through his prayer that... Really, it is God who is one who's chosen to reveal Himself to the insignificant. And He's chosen to reveal Himself to the insignificant through the person of Jesus. So now we get to verses 23 and 24. Jesus stops from His prayer and looks over to His disciples and privately says to them, look with me, verse 23, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. A couple of things in what you see here. First of all, blessed are those who understand who Jesus is. You can translate that word blessed to mean happy. You know what? Isn't it interesting? We live in a culture that is consumed with happiness. Isn't it? Everything we do is for happiness. You know, do you notice the stuff we pursue for happiness It's only for the moment? Our culture, our, I mean, look at Walmart. We'll go to Walmart. Everything's set up so that you can be happy. Even t- down to the aisle, that Snicker bar there, so you can be happy. You know what I'm talking about. But it's only for the moment, isn't it? We're all trying to pursue, so we jump from one relationship to another for happiness. We're in a, we're in a happiness consume, but the reality, true happiness, true blessing, is by understanding who Jesus is. In fact, let me just, let me point it to you. Do you understand? Think with me for a moment. Come with me on a journey, mentally. For many, the church isn't happiness. For many of you, it is the opposite of happiness. It is shame. Because you walk in and you sense immediately, well, you know, I shouldn't even be here. Man, holy cow, look at what I did. I shouldn't even be here. And it's the exact opposite of happiness, because you don't feel happy when you're here, because you've got all these pressures of of how, how you're not perfect. And you may even have a wrong perception of Jesus because of it, because you think, well, he's just waiting to squash me because of what I did. That is a wrong perception of Jesus. In fact, if you have that kind of perception, I can almost guarantee you, you are never going to be happy. But true happiness, blessed are those who understand who Jesus is. Here's what you need to understand to truly be happy. is to realize that your acceptance with Him has nothing to do with you. It isn't what you did or didn't do. It isn't what education level you have or don't have. It's not how big your bank account is or how much you... It's not whether or not you live in the ditch or you're filling in the ditch. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what Jesus did for you. And if you grasp that, that your acceptance with Him is based purely upon Jesus, that's freedom. That's happiness. In fact, that's the kind of happiness that helps you to understand when later on he says this, that knowing that we have this great high priest in Hebrews, we can come boldly into His throne room. You know what? If you're you're worried about who you are and whether or not God accepts you, you don't pray. You don't pray. But if you realize that He did it all for you, you'll pray. Because you're not going to worry about your stuff because you know He already took care of it. And you'll go to Him and you'll say, you know, Lord, I thank You that You saved me. i got this problem. I need You to help me. But look, if you're thinking of it in terms of, well, he's not going to do anything for me because of this, you're right. There's no happiness there. But happy, blessed are those who understand who Jesus is. Now, here's the other point. Here's what he's saying. They see what others long for. Look what he says there in verse 24. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and have not seen it and hear what you hear, and have not heard it. He's he's talking back to the Old Testament, because under the Old Testament, they lived under that law, that bondage, where they had to do the right stuff, and had to do this. I mean, I mean, think about it. Every time you mess up, you got to go make a sacrifice. I mean, think about it. So there you are. You, you're going to the temple. You make your sacrifice. You think, oh, I'm okay now. Then some guy's camel cuts you off. You might as well just turn on around. And that's a burden, isn't it? It's a burden. And they longed for something more. Jesus says, You guys are seeing what others long for. Do you see it? Do you see the freedom? Or are you stuck in the old ages? And I'm mean, to be honest with you, church can stick you in the old ages. Do you see it? He did it for you. Others long for that. Do you see it? Do you see the freedom? It's freedom. It's okay, George. How do we, uh, how do we wrap this all together? How do I take this home with me? I have three thoughts for you. Number one, do you have a proper focus? Do you have a proper focus? I mean, I mean, you are here operating under a conception. It's either a wrong conception or a right conception. You are here today operating under a conception where God views you based upon what you've done or what you haven't done, who you are or who you are not. That's one perception. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you the truth about that perception. If that is how you are viewing yourself as far as how God sees you, you are always going to be defeated. You're always going to be wrestling within your heart wondering whether or not God accepts you. Do you understand me? If you hold that conception that your acceptance with God is based purely upon you and what you're doing and haven't done, you're always going to be defeated. The second conception, which is where I hope most of you are at, but I know that a lot of you aren't, is realizing that He did it all for you. And it's just His mercy and grace. And I have freedom through Him. Now here's the thing that I've noticed. I've been pastoring now. This will be 16 years in September. And here's what I've noticed through the years. And I see it a lot and I just shake my head at it. People will come and they will hear that second conception and they can't grasp it. Because something inside of them tells them they got to do something. So, so they'll get hung up on things and say, well, you know, I... I They'll not accept the message, but they'll, they'll point out some other reason why they can't. Well, you know, you guys don't dress up for church. You've got to dress up for Jesus. If you're going to appear before the king or the president, you're going to dress up. Well, yeah, if I'm going to appear before the king or the president, I will dress up, but I don't need to dress up for Jesus. Because he doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the what? The heart. But, so, I, I actually, I've gotten to the point where, I, in wisdom, I realize that the issue isn't the clothes, The issue isn't the music. The issue isn't any of that stuff. The issue is they, in their mind, feel that the only way that they're going to get accepted by God is by doing all that stuff. They haven't learned that there's freedom in Jesus. and That He accepts you in spite of it. Because of Himself. So you're here, you're operating on one of those two rings. In fact, some of you, you're just having a hard time with that. And so, do you have a proper focus? Is your focus not on yourselves, but on Jesus? Here's the second thing. Do you understand who Jesus is? See, the only way to have the proper focus and to realize that he did it all is for you to grasp the reality of who he is. When you grasp the reality of who he is, that he is God, then you'll be able to have the proper focus. And then finally, here's my encouragement to you. For every one of us here, whether you have the proper focus or not, embrace Jesus. You need to, you need to look to him now. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to embrace Jesus. Quit defining yourself by what you've done.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. This coming week.